0: Hey, it's John from CEO Raider. So what's good in the world? Let's see. Uber is about to raise somewhere between 8 to $10 billion from SoftBank, Dragonair, and Didi. Didi's a, a Chinese ride share company. Dragoneer is a U.S.-based investment firm. And SoftBank, everybody knows SoftBank. So I, I think this is going to be a regular occurrence with, with Uber in terms of capital raises. You know, the, the, the capital raise phenomenon with Uber does not end with an IPO, whether that's, you know, 18 to 36 months, like new CEO, Dara Karashai, said. Uh, forgive me, Dara, for mispronouncing your last name. But Uber is a company that is, it, it's one that burns cash. I'm not saying it will burn cash in perpetuity, but it, it feels like in perpetuity it's one that will at least be hungry for cash. As it continues to expand globally, as the company looks to advance driverless technology, presumably Uber is not going to be a company where its uh, its service is going to be powered by humans. Yeah, at some point you would believe that that's going to be a, a fully autonomous service. And so developing that technology is going to take capital, even if Uber does it in partnership with some of the automobile OEMs. It, it's going to require a substantial amount of capital. As Uber continues to build its footprint globally, that's going to take some capital. And then the piece that I'd be most curious about, where I'm sitting in the CEO chair, is Uber's Real time central nervous system, which I've talked about in, in another podcast, whereby it's able to capture and measure demand in real time. You know, so we have a cluster of 100 users on Madison and Fifth looking for uh, a, a ride at, at 5 p.m. on a Friday and it's raining in New York City. So that information is valuable, obviously. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Uber potentially partners with, with others in terms of. Um, Exploiting It's real-time intelligence network, let's call it. It's central nervous system, as I've referred to it in the past. So if you think about a world that resembles a Blade Runner movie or a Minority Report, where you have sort of real-time, smart, mobile marketing. If you think about a, an augmented reality world, a virtual reality world, and, and you know you have 1,500 people looking for a cab at that instant on that corner because Uber has that data in real time, you know, Uber could potentially strike some interesting partnership with marketers. I'm not sure to what extent they're already doing that, talking about that. I'm sure they've talked about it in the execution. I'm not sure where they are in that evolution. But that's the, the piece of the business that I would want to grow and continue to scale and add more data to and open it up to partners to the extent it doesn't violate privacy law. So it'll be interesting to see what Dara and, and the team do on, on that front as they invest capital in the business in the near term, intermediate term, and long term. I think that's going to be fascinating uh samsung announced that they've rolled out a 300 million dollar auto technology fund and you know kind of small beans google's in the space obviously in a big way uber all of the automobile oems have autonomous technology or at least most of the major ones do and they're going to continue to scale that over time i would like to see somebody step into the breach with a few billion bucks and develop automotive aftermarket technology let's call it much like the current Aftermarket, it's going to be interesting to see what aftermarket players in today's world and tomorrow's world, what type of technologies, what type of services they bring to bear on the market. So one that's sort of obvious would be identity, identity management. Uh, these new automobiles today are essentially they are essentially mobile phones on wheels. Uh, they're they're hackable, and so securing the automobile in terms of its electronic guts its central nervous system. Uh, that's a priority. You know, it'll be interesting to see to what extent Apple plays in that space with its facial recognition technology. It has a few bugs today. As you saw, it didn't exactly work well in the in the demo on, on Tuesday at, at the campus, at, at HQ. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how that evolves over time. I'm sure Apple will get it right. They certainly have the financial resources to just keep bringing resources to bear until they, they make it almost perfect. Of course, if Steve Jobs is still there, it would be perfect. Uh, but, but deploying... Facial recognition technology, uh, for sure it makes sense in the world of payments and securing payments and at the point of sale, but beyond that, use cases such as you know unlocking the door of your car, uh, smart home applications. Um, so I, I want to see to what extent Apple starts to partner with the automobile OEMs in terms of licensing its, its facial recognition technology and other technologies. So that's one. Um, Another one would be uh, my alma mater, Solera Holdings. Uh, Solera has a, a, a bunch of data from the automobile OEMs around uh, make and model information down to the SKU level, the component part level. And so, you know, I don't think Solera is big enough to exploit it. I forget where the guys are right now in terms of revenue run rate. You know, they're approaching $2 billion or, or thereabouts, which, you know, may sound like a lot of money, but it's, it's, it's not in the world of technology. I would love to see somebody that's running at 50, 100 billion of annual revenue, acquire the company, and just bring to bear 5,000, 10,000 data scientists to just exploit the data every which way, tease every last bit of value out of the data, run unsupervised learning processes on the data, see which variables may be correlated with other variables, and see what that may mean for uh, providing value added product to the automobile OEM. Uh, break-fix information around parts, uh, stress testing, things like this, Um, part optimization. I mean, I'm sure there's even stuff you could do at the design level in terms of part design, Uh, optimizing location of parts, uh, material optimization, and maybe it means taking a company like Solera and and smashing it together with a company like Ansys and, and merging parts information with materials information and analysis and I don't want to get too technical, but there's, there's a lot that can be done with all of that data and analytic capability in a much larger company with significant financial resources. You know, something that's throwing off tens of billions of dollars in free cash flow a year could could do with those two assets. And I've posited in the past, both in in, in writing as well as on this podcast, that IBM, given its troubles, would be wise, I think, think to acquire Solera, to acquire Verisk, there are a whole handful of companies in the information services space, but let's stick with Solera for the moment. You bring in Solera, you acquire that company, you let the senior team run that whole thing at IBM, given that the senior team at IBM is incapable of running a company. They may be sharp people, but they're clearly academic. They couldn't execute themselves out of a white paper bag. And uh, for that matter, frankly, I think a number of the board need to be replaced. I don't see any, any real... Technology expertise on IBM's board. That they all appear to be friends of Ginny. Uh, a board that uh, was was constructed out of central casting. I'm not sure what value they add. Doesn't look like they add much. Obviously, look at the stock performance. Look at the revenue performance. Look at the EBITDA performance. So IBM, go acquire Solera. Go call Brian Schiff at Vista Equity Partners and tell him you want to you want to work a deal and acquire Solera and let the team run it. Fall on your swords. Do the right thing. I'm not an owner. I don't have a vested interest in IBM. Long short but do the right thing. Fall on your sword. And, um, and what else do I want to talk about? That's sort of a, a segue into some of the work I've been doing this week around executive compensation. It's been a, a hot button issue since what the financial downturn in 2008, 2009, CEO compensation in particular. Our CEO radar platform lends itself well to helping to add additional rigor to a process which lacks rigor, that is the executive compensation process. Typically, the way it works is, uh, company XYZ will define a pair group of four, five, six companies, ten companies, a dozen companies in its in its space. We'll look at revs, rev growth for that peer group, profitability, profitability growth for the peer group, stock performance for company XYZ, the peer group, the benchmark, and that, that, that's kind of the the guts of of how a board arrives at, at executive compensation, particularly for the CEO. And I think our tool could bring a lot of value to compensation committee members on the board who are looking for additional rigor. If you recall, on our platform, we have feedback uh, from employees. So our platform could be administered to employees and get their feedback about the CEO and or the entire management team. Our platform could could be administered to investors to capture their feedback about a particular CEO or management team. Or if a particular management team does not want to disseminate our platform out to investors or employees, they could use it to perform their own benchmarking or hire us to, to use it to perform a, a one-off benchmarking. We have 42 different attributes that we look at in our proprietary model for measuring CEO efficacy. It's a little bit more rigorous, or a lot a bit more rigorous than than current processes. And you know, The data that we capture it can be applied in a, in a, in a flexible manner. So, um, But where I want to see this go over time is I want to see standardization in terms of industry-accepted metrics that comp committees look at when defining CEO comp. Doesn't mean you're regulating CEO compensation. It just means that there are some sort of industry accepted metrics beyond the current metrics uh, that boards should, at a minimum, take into consideration. At a minimum, should measure. I think more rigor is better than less. At the end of the day, you know, you, you pay your CEO what you want to pay him or her. But I think there are some boxes that should be checked along the way, just so investors know, hey, my my board at least considered these elements when defining CEO comp. So you're going to hear more from me about CEO compensation in the the future as we go to market with the platform. I'll share with you what, what feedback I get from CEOs and boards. Hope everybody has a great rest of the week, and we'll see you over the weekend.